Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Hello, hello, hello. These are the first two stanzas of a poem called Red Moon Eclogues by Mark Tredinick. Every year the moon inches away from us. In time, She'll swim too far out to anchor us at our habitual angle to the sun, and that will be the end of the well-tempered and recursive wildness that conceived and suffered us, and that will be the end of us. We have just two billion years to thank her for our time here. Eternity has a use-by date. But it'll be up long before that, and in the meantime I sit on the cold step of the cowshed and watch the world throw its shadow on the moon like a horse blanket. In the meantime the moon reddens in the refraction of all our dawns and sunsets in a kind of transfigured cosmic smog. An apocalypse that lasts three hours until it's time to go to bed. Okay, hello. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to this uh, Cop On podcast, this uh, review of Sheffield United. We're going to then look forward to the Chelsea match. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to be with uh, Mick from the Copite podcast, with Liam and with Josh. Uh, Josh from the World of Football podcast and um, uh, welcome, he's a Chelsea fan and uh, Liam and Mick are of course Liverpool fans, regular listeners to Cop On will recognise their voices and I'm going to start with you Liam um, because yesterday as, as we're recording Liverpool beat Sheffield United to actually win a game and I want to know how it felt for you, because for me, I, I mean, you shouldn't be that elated to beat a team that's on 11 points and might be the worst team in Premier League history uh, on paper. Um, but I was I was um, absolutely delighted that we actually finally won a match. How, how did you feel? Definitely. I think to say after it feels, other than in the Champions League against Leipzig, it feels like it's been... I don't know, months since we've actually won a game of football and we've got the result that we deserved. For the 75 minutes against Leicester, we played really well. Other games we played to a decent level as well. I mean, until the goal started flying against City, we weren't terrible. But again, it just felt good to play some football and to get the goals and then to actually get three points. I know we've played Sheffield United and even Chris Wilder before the game said it's extremely unlikely that we stay up and he's defeated the idea of actually being able to stay up in the Premier League with what have we got 12 games to go so I think that shows you the team we were playing and maybe getting carried away with the result but it just feels nice to win a game of football again and I can't believe I'm saying that after we amassed 196 points in two seasons but 
that's just the situation we're in at the moment. It is the situation we're in at the moment. Mick, welcome. Welcome back to, to, to Cop On Podcast. You're from the Copite Podcast. Every, every listener should check out the Copite Podcast. Great stuff on, on YouTube and everything. Um, uh, Mick, um, it was our third victory since December the 27th. That's how, how mad it's been. How did you feel after yesterday's match? Yeah, I think I just I, I echo what um, what's been said. Really, it was it was just nice to. I mean, the games we've been playing in in recently, we haven't played that bad. Really, we're just so usually reliant on that very structured defence, which we're obviously missing. And I mean, we we seem to be like a broken record. Liverpool fans that we keep saying we're missing Van Dijk and missing Gomez, but that is literally the truth. Uh, but no, it was nice. Like obviously, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, the new system that we seem to play. I think we played it against Everton as well in the second half where we kind of gave Robertson like a free left wing just to bond down. Mane came inside a little bit and Curtis Jones kind of had like a midfield free roll, which is I imagine suit him down to the ground and I think you could see that in the, his performance. He was he was great. But um overall it was just it was just get good to get a win. Obviously the results around us went right for us as well. West Ham lost and uh, Leicester lost, Chelsea and Man United drew, so it was kind of, we needed to, I mean, we, we didn't need to strike back, so to speak, but it was nice to put in a good performance and match it with a win as well, uh, and then make up a bit of ground, we're only two points off top four now, and we've got Chelsea next, which is which is perfect really, because um, we're waiting and around them in the table, so we can make our mark there as well, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting better, I mean, we're all looking forward to Champions League, but Premier League, we need to get in at least into that top four, and um, off re- well recent form, meaning yesterday, then um, it stands us in good stead for uh, Chelsea on Thursday. Uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, speaking of Chelsea, uh, Josh, um, from a Chelsea point of view, I mean, I don't know how much you actually watch Liverpool matches, but uh, in the Premier League, we haven't scored, including yesterday, we haven't scored in the first half in 11 matches which is absolutely crazy um so i don't know what you're doing on thursday but i think it sh- it should be all right to miss uh, you know if to miss at least from a liverpool perspective i suppose to miss the first half go and you know have a you know have a have a snooze have it have a siesta or do whatever you want but how how are you feeling as a chelsea fan playing liverpool at the moment is it is it a fragile shell of its former self or do you think liverpool have been unlucky recently because some of our performances have been good um great question um well first of all liverpool um when you're chopping and changing the team with changing key positions moving players about a lot time you know you're always going to get an element of uh rustiness a bit an element of um a, bit, uh, a, a rough you know especially when you're bringing new players in as well you know you've got to always get that kind of element of you know trying to adapt trying to get the players to adapt asking players to play out of position so there's a, you know i think it's safe to say there was always a, a unfortunate for liverpool um within that case but um obviously you can only play what's in front of you you can only play um you can only play with the players that you got. So, you know, it's funny how you said though about um, about Chelsea, about uh, Liverpool and goals. Well, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea 
you know, we're, we're struggling big time goals-wise at the moment. Here, uh, here's a wee statistic that will probably surprise all of you. Is that Havertz, Ferner, Siak, Piosic, Hudson-Odoi has scored 10 goals in the league combined, and Gundogan has 11 goals by himself. So Chelsea, goal-scoring-wise, going forward, there is a big problem. There is a big, big problem. Um, Defensively-wise, we're good. So, you know, if you put your statistic and my statistic together, it could make for quite a... It could make for another uh, Chelsea and Manchester United game, which is going to be a snooze fest, potentially. It could well be that way. Um, uh, Chelsea have scored 41 goals in 26 matches, and Liverpool have scored 47 in 26 matches. Um, Defensively, Chelsea have conceded 25 in 26, and Liverpool have conceded 34. Um, So that's obviously we're not good enough in defence, I wonder why. Um, but let's think about the positives for a moment. Um, Mick, going back to you, um, going through the team from yesterday, um, there were several standout performers. Who who stood out for you as a you know real positive from yesterday? Uh, I think you've got to look at, like I said, Curtis Jones, who who was seemed to thrive in that that midfield um, like free role. He seemed to have like I seen a I seen a stat today about his ball carrying ability. Um, I think it was from Josh Williams on, on Twitter and he put like a little graph up of who are the best ball carriers from midfield in the Premier League and um, Curtis Jones is only second to Bernardo Silva Matteo Kovacic is in third so that's I think that's a real big thing about why he continues to get into this Liverpool team because it's down to his actual ability to carry the ball from midfield <laughs> seeing as we've been missing it from the likes of obviously Naby Keita being injured Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's came back and he's obviously not been quiet himself because he was at a long injury layoff and um, I think he provides something different uh, so I think him for me obviously he gets a goal as well uh, I thought Trent was really good um, yeah there was, I think there was, there was quite a lot of good performances yesterday the only one that I expected more from was maybe Sadio Mane, but that's only because his standards are so high that when it's slightly lower than you expect, it's quite noticeable. But um, I'm sure that'll come back in time, and he'll probably start scoring a half full once we um, get into full rhythm. But uh, yeah, I think Curtis Jones for me just for the just for the goal and the overall performance, and just seems to just seems to glide across the pitch. And for such a young lad, it's it's so great to see, especially as a, a local lad as well. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Um, I was looking at stats as well from fbref.com that uh, Josh Williams uses uh, quite a lot for his analysis and it's a wonderful, wonderful site. Um, and uh, they've got this this scouting report on fbref.com and Curtis Jones's scouting report um, has him in at least the 90th percentile if you compare midfielders, all of the midfielders from all of the top five uh, major leagues across Europe, and he's in the 90th or more percentile in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of their metrics out of about uh, 12 or 13. He's already he's twenty years old, and he's he's already absolutely. Uh, I don't know. He's he he's so exciting, um, Liam. What about you? I mean, Curtis. You could talk about Curtis. You could talk about someone else. I mean, I thought Bobby had a marvelous game yesterday, and uh, Adrian as well. Yeah, I mean, I was extremely impressed with Curtis Jones. I think the way the way he's 
coming this season, people weren't expecting him to be the the starter in the midfield three. But I think about the goal he scored in the Champions League for an impossible angle, the big goal against Sheffield, which was, I can't believe I'm saying that, but was a big goal considering where we are. Maybe looking elsewhere. Uh, yeah, Firmino was good. I think Firmino's probably getting a little bit of... Maybe it's kind of undeserved and deserved at the same time criticism because sometimes he can he does miss a lot of chances but then again we always talk about Bobby Firmino is not someone you expect to be scoring 17-18 Premier League goals a season like you'd expect from Salah and Mane so you look him in in that aspect it was great footwork for the goal I don't know if he'd actually been given I think it was given as a keen Brian own goal but Again, it was a shame not to see it be awarded to Bobby. Um, yeah, Adrian. Adrian didn't have... But when he had something to do, he dealt with it well, considering based on where we've been chopping and changing the back line, the goalkeepers quite a lot as well this season. I mean, Allison's only had five clean sheets, showing how ravaged he's been with injuries this season. And obviously, he's... he's got things going on in his personal life at the moment. But yeah, I saw a stat on Twitter. I can't remember who actually tweeted it, but Adrian's got the highest win percentage of any player for Liverpool in the Premier League, and it's 80-something, 80-something percent, which I thought was ridiculous considering some of the hate he gets on Twitter. But yeah, I'd agree with the players you've mentioned. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I thought Adrian, he... um... What did someone say? Uh, Martin Fitzgerald and the Anfield Rap Player Reviews is really funny. You've got to check it out if you haven't read it. But he said, um, you know, something... He liked Adrian's performance a lot and Martin Fitzgerald wrote that he, he liked Adrian's performance a lot and he loved the way that he was shouting, don't panic every time, whilst simultaneously looking really panicked. Uh, I thought that that was really good. But he was, uh, he was, he was very good, I thought. Um... Uh, Adrian, um, despite, well, I mean, now he's our third goalkeeper um, because Kelleher, who was injured, uh, could not step in, unfortunately. Uh, but think about Bobby Firmino. Um, I only come to you on this, Josh, because he, he gets lots of criticism. But before I ask you about Bobby Firmino, because I think none of it is justified. Um, and the stats bear me out here uh, for example last season right last season's no no one's talking about how Bobby Firmino is any kind of problem because he knits everything together and although yes he can't finish he's never been able to finish his his xg last season was uh, 16.69 according to understat and he actually only got nine goals he got nine goals and eight assists from 38 premier league matches last season um He's played 26 matches. He's played every Premier League match for us. Um, he scored six goals and has five assists. And he's 4.5 XG down. So he should have, according to XG, scored four more goals. That's about right, because he misses sitters. But he he has always missed sitters. Uh, but to be honest, I don't think he's the problem. Um, I'm not... I'm not saying Sadio Mane is the problem either. He's got seven goals and three assists in 23 matches. But it's like people are, seem to me to be just sort of jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, well, Bobby Firmino. If anyone in the front three needs to go, it's Bobby Firmino. 
I don't know, Josh. What do you make of him from the outside, our Bobby Dazzler? I think for me, this criticism comes from the position that he plays. Because um, when you look when you look all across the league, uh, you obviously got Harry Kane at Spurs, Aubameyang at Arsenal, Agüero and Jesus at Man City. I think for me, I think I think in the Premier League, there was always such high-rated strikers who score a ton of goals and you make uh, game decision goals. You don't get that with Bobby, but that's not because he is an out-and-out striker. He he does float around. I know that front three is very. Um, very fluid he can end up on the left on the right but I do think <clears throat> Liverpool in the summer because that front three is definitely starting to isolate a wee bit more and now that Manny hasn't been finding all and all cylinders like it has been you probably will be better going for a striker but honestly I would drop Firmino into a number 10 role because his link up plays extremely good he has really really good movement he has good understanding enough the game he does give centre halves a, a, a terror time you know he was obviously against a back three or a back five yesterday and I thought he did extremely well he just doesn't have that goal scoring uh, fin- uh, you know, finesse but that's not because he is a striker so I think all the criticism comes from where he plays but in terms of what what position he is actually good in which is the number 10 he does all of those types of things really really well I think he has really good movement really good understanding um, good link up play because um, you can when you when you when he's in a team compared to Dave Okarigi, you know like, there's a big big difference. So I think Firmino should not be replaced within the Liverpool team, but I do think his position should change to be more to be more suited to him. Because if you've got him doing that, plus a goal scoring striker and Manny and Salah on the other side on the other side uh, getting back to their best form. You know, I think that is an extreme, an extremely frightening Liverpool attack to be up against because people know if you isolate Manny and Salah, Firmino's not going to go ahead and you know rip you apart in terms of goal wise. But if you, if you, but if you add a goal scoring threat at striker with Firmino in behind, that uh, kind of scares me a wee bit. Well, this is something that there's an outside chance you could see on Thursday, Josh. Um, to move on to talk about the the, the Chelsea game. Um, it's very exciting for Liverpool fans because Diogo Jota could be back, and Dio- could Gio- could Diogo Jota be that person, Josh, who who is a goal scoring player who can you know kick the ball in the goal and play with his back to goal uh, and link up with Bobby and Sadio and uh, and uh, Salah. I, I, I could be I could be wrong, but I do think this has been. Tr- Tried. I think this was tried by Klopp. Um, I don't know if Firmino was dropped, but I, th- I think it was a few. I think it was two or three games where Jota played as a out and out striker with um, Bobby Firmino behind, and it worked really, really well. Like I think Jota, Jota was scoring a ton of goals, and most of the most of those was because uh, he was getting a lot of space created by Firmino running around. He did it a bit last season as well, because I remember Salah played up top, Mane was on the left, Shakira was on the right, and Bobby Firmino was at number ten. And every time he's done it, I don't think I don't think he's actually lost the game. As far as my memory serves me right, I've done my research as well. I wanted to make you proud. Um, as far as I can, um, <laughs> as far as I can recall, um, Firmino, when Firmino's played as a number ten and attacking midfielder, you have not actually lost the game. I just think it's the fact that you don't have an out striker to play that system all the time so when when Jota comes back and uh, when he's fully fit to start I think that definitely will find a shadow of a doubt be the best way going forward for Liverpool well yeah thank you very much and I'm very impressed with your your level of research excellent stuff um Mick moving on to Chelsea then I mean um 
looking at them, do we need to fear anybody from the Chelsea team? I mean, who does anybody sort of make your stomach turn a bit? Um, <laughs> there's, they've got a good team. I mean, obviously, Timo Werner's a good player, albeit he's going through a, a bit of a goal drought. And that, but I think that's just normal when you come to a new league. It's not everyone comes in and scores hundreds straight away like certain players do. But I imagine he'll, he, he will still be a great sign for them over the course of the the years that he's there. But um, no, it's the, it's the it's the tricky wingers, fast wingers that that. Scare me a little bit of the likes of Pulisic. Um, they've got who they, can, who they can call on. Obviously, he didn't. I don't think he started against Man United, did he? So he can. I don't know if he'll start. But the, the likes of him and Mason Mount, maybe as well, who players who are going to drive at our defence, especially when we're so patched up, um, could be tricky. Um, the likes of Giroud, I do rate Giroud, but I think if we do play um, Phillips and Kabak, I imagine. It'll be a good test, but I think they've, they're good enough in the air to kind of stifle his threat, if that makes sense. It'll be a, it'll be a Timo Werner that would worry me, the, the pacing behind. And I mean, that's when we last played Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Fabinho played there, didn't he? And he'd done so well against them. So I think that comes into the question in terms of where Fabinho plays, if he if he is fit and ready for Thursday, if he goes back into defence alongside of Phillips or a Kabach, or he comes into midfield to try and... Um, strengthen up that defensive midfield area and maybe provide an extra layer of um, solidity for that midfield. But um, yeah, I think it is yeah, Pacey Wingers. And um, I mean, looking at their team they played against United, it was a 3-4-2-1, was it? Hudson and Doyle Chilwell as wing-backs. Obviously, Ziyech and Mason Mount are really tricky, fast, direct, run at defenders. So yeah, both of them and, and Pulisic that... Um, I keep saying Pulisic because I want to look Pulisic to sign him, to be honest, because I thought he's, he's a really good player. But, um, yeah, anyone who's got pace who can run in behind and who's going to look to um, break those lines and, tr- and try and catch us out with that pace, which is what we're lacking at the back, then that's what kind of worries me at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree, absolutely. Uh, but what would you do, Mick, uh, you know, what would you do personally if Fabinho is back? Would you put him in central defence? I, personally, I wouldn't. I, I would put him in defensive midfield. I would. I would keep the two centre halves as is. Um, I thought there was a few shaky moments against Sheffield United where balls were played in behind. And I mean, if you if you change the uh, Sheffield United strikers for a like I said, a Timo Werner or someone like that, then the result of those chances that they have from those um, from the chances they created, then it might be a lot a bit of a different game. But um, I would keep it the same. I'd put Fabinho back in front of the the back four, and I think that would make us a lot more solid. And he can he can break up um, any any attacks that they've got. I mean, Kante goes without saying how, how good N'Golo Kante is, and Kovacic as well. He's a really good midfield player. So I think we need a bit more a bit more steel in there. I mean, Gini Van Alden's done a a great job in in that six. After obviously our team's been obliterated and we've had to patch up all over the place, but. If we can just keep two, the two centre-halves as is, get that partnership at least coming along a bit more and we don't play our, what, 48th partnership for the for the season at centre-half, it feels like we keep those two together, get Fabinho back into midfield and then kind of that gives us licence to go forward and I think if the if Fabinho does go back into midfield it will mentally give our attacking players a bit more a bit more edge now and that there's, there's a bit more 
defensive defensive nous back on in in our half of the pitch so they can go forward and not be as wary of running back hundred miles an hour, which they all seem to do now, to because they're, they're a bit worried about what's going on behind them rather than what's going in front of them. So I'm hoping that's what all what will happen, yeah. And sorry, so Fabinho is replacing Vineldum then. So you've got you've got uh, Fabinho, Thiago, and and Jones in midfield. <sighs> See, this is the tr- this is the tricky one. I think I would probably I would probably drop difficult one to say but maybe maybe Thiago for, for this one and go Fabinho defensive midfielder and then um Alden on the left and Jones on the right only because Jones's ball carrying ability is it will be really um interesting to see in this game but it could I think it'll be either Thiago or Jones who get dropped if that happens I mean Gene Wijnaldum's our captain at the moment so um Obviously, if Milner doesn't play, then it's it's one Alden who's going to captain and start. So, him alongside Fabinho and either Jones or Thiago, I think, would be a, a good midfield. It certainly would. It certainly would. But I I think I'm going to disagree with you because I would just think for a big match like Chelsea, I just think we need our best players on the pitch. And Fabinho coming back from injury in central defence, he probably, hopefully, won't have to run as much as he would in, in midfield. So it might be easier to, to protect him from another injury. But that's my opinion. I don't know. Liam, where do you stand on it? See, with Fabinho, he's he's been so great at centre-half this season. And when we were good at the start of the season, not that we've been terrible recently, it's a poor run of form from us. But he was one of the for me he's probably one of our players of the season playing as a centre-back so you've got the option whether you put him back in there which I'm probably in favour of to maybe give Kabak a bit more of a strength position because one thing I noticed against Sheffield United was he seems to be out of position a little bit but he's got good powers of recovery so if he's got someone beside him maybe a voice to you know maybe keep him in position and keep the line together, that'll develop Quebec as well a little bit and maybe they can get a good partnership going at the end of the season as we push for Champions League. Although I am of the opinion that you will see better performances from Thiago if Fabinho does sit in front of the fence because he has, not that he's incapable of defensive work, but he's got that rash tackle and Sometimes in the defensive transitions, he's a bit, he's a bit maybe reckless or there's, I can't really think of the word, but he's he's not perfect in that sense. I think maybe if there's a bit more emphasis off the defensive work on him, we could see him thrive like he did when he played against Chelsea in the in the sec the first game when we won two 0 and how well he played against Everton in those sorts of highlights where we saw him at the start of the season. So. I think probably I would go with centre-half, but I wouldn't be opposed to him playing in midfield and also giving Thiago the licence to do what he does best. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, what Jürgen does. There's certainly a lot of justification for, for mixed ideas sticking Fabinho back in midfield. Um, for Chelsea, Josh, um, I haven't done my research I don't know do you have do you, I'm just going to ask you do you have any injuries at the moment what sort of lineup can you uh, predict for Thursday night um well Thiago's still 
Silva isn't training, so he's just um he's just a question mark if he's gonna be fully fit or not. Um though I have to I will have to admit um it's very hard to decide who would come in for Tiago Silva who have to be dropped for Tiago Silva at the moment. Um but the team that I the team that I want to play, um because I thought against United we lacked pace, we lacked um I think we like precision. Uh, we like we like that cutting edge uh, to play the final ball to try and try and break down United. We were very very safe, very basic. I wasn't happy with it. So I would play obviously Mendy and Etz. The less said about Kepa, the better. The back three, if Thiago Silva is fit, would probably be Azpilicueta, Christensen, and Thiago Silva. I would drop Rudiger. Uh, right wing back, I would play Reese James because. I feel like we need to. I feel like it's going to be a lot of defensive work for the wing backs um, this game, given uh, how Liverpool play, uh, especially with their full backs and with uh, Robbie and Trent. So I expect that we, we, we need we need full backs to be able to track back, defend well, and keep an eye on their man. Reese James will be similar to that. In, in the midfield, I would play um, Kante and Kovacic, it seems, against Manchester United. Uh, I think Jorginho, against a, against a very high press team, I think Jorginho. To get caught out with his with his lack of pace, his lack of um, tackling. Kovacic is probably one of our best players. Uh, left wing back, I would play Marcus Alonso. Chilwell at left wing back is nah, it's just it, it just ain't a thing. It just really ain't a thing. It's against United, he offered no width, no help in the final third, no real benefits. At least Marcus Alonso, Alonso in the attacking side of things is very good, and I think when he has Thiago Silva covering him at the back. Give him that freedom, and I feel like I'll add an extra there for tag. I would be really missing against United. I would actually play a completely different uh, front three, so to speak, as we did against United. I would not play Siak, and I would not play Olivier Giroud. I would play Kai Havertz as the striker with uh, Mason Mount and Timo Werner in behind because Quebec, I think. He looks like he's struggling. He's definitely struggling to get used to the pace of the Premier League, the physicality. You know, you've got. That Phillips as well. Um, so what you really want to do is you want to, you know you want to get players like Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, um, you know, confidence and more idea in the Premier League. So I feel like this. I feel like this is the right, this is the perfect centre back, uh, centre back partnership to to go ahead and attack. Um, I think when you've got they'll give you pace, directness, a goal threat. So I feel like that's what I feel like that's how we will uh, we need to export Liverpool. I don't think Giroud's going to cut. I think Giroud maybe on Quebec causing some problems, but Giroud played. I mean Giroud played three games in the space of seven days. He, he just can't do that. Um, I think Fernand made a really a really really positive impact against you know when he came on. I would love to see Harvard starting to get involved in the team more. So that's that's a team I would pick. I would pick a team that's uh, fast. That's going to give Quebec and Phelps a lot to think about, a lot to deal with, um, but also having that solidity to make sure that Liverpool don't hurt us on the counter attack. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Um, I would do the same if I were Chelsea's. Yeah, play your pacey, lads. Um, Giroud has got four goals and no assists in 14 Premier League matches. Um, he's got six in the Champions League, including four in one match. Um, so 10 goals for the season for Giroud. Kai Havertz, one goal and four assists in all competitions in 24 matches. Uh, sorry, in the Premier League and the Champions League, the rest don't count. Um, so in the Premier League or the Champions League, 24 matches, one goal, four assists. 
Um, I want to talk about Chelsea, Chelsea in general, Tommy Tuchel, uh, you know, the, the, where they are in the league, you know, their hopes of the top four. Um, Mick, what do you make of, of Chelsea? I mean, you can, you, can, you can talk about anything you like, Havertz, Tuchel, top four hopes, you can choose a subject, go with it. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still a bit surprised with the whole, obviously Lampard spent a lot of money and they've decided to change it, but I think sometimes you can change too quick and obviously they've brought, they've, they have made that change and brought Tuchel in who's obviously got good pedigree, managed some good teams and yeah, they've got, they've got a good side, I mean just looking at the table now we're one point behind, I mean it's, it is funny to think that because we have set our bar so high that we're we're only two points off off fourth place and one point off off Chelsea, and it's seemingly a, a catastrophe of a season. But uh, it's just that I suppose the levels that we've we've set recently, it's a um, it's a big drop for us. But no, I'm, I think Chelsea are a really good team. I am worried about it, and the thing is that we're playing at home. That, that worries me even more. So bizarrely, because I never thought I'd ever say that statement. I'm worried about a home game, and I prefer playing away. But um, that's kind of where the world is at the moment. I think our last six home games we've lost four and drawn two in the league. I think if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So um, we need to we need to change that fast to, um, if we want to harbour any hopes of getting top four. So I imagine Chelsea are going to be one of the teams that we need to compete with for for those top well t- top three spots behind Manchester City. So uh, no, we've got a good team. We've got a good manager. They just need to. Be, you just need to give this manager a bit more time to kind of set up and obviously he's still chopping and changing he's still trying to find out his best team but he's got a hell of a team there to pick from and um yeah they'll they'll be there there about the end of the season because they've got they've got too much quality in there but they just need to get us get a settled team and, and then you can kind of um go on from there really but yeah they're always a threat and i think they always will be as long as abramovich is around to um to sort them out, or maybe not. Once he goes, maybe they might get better because he, he's not calling the shots and just chopping and changing managers. But um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, a really good team. I love, I love playing against Chelsea because of the, obviously the history and then playing them so many times over the years in Champions Leagues and Nefe Cups and all kinds. So it's, it's always a good game. I'm just hoping that this one will be um, not a, a not a dour nil nil like uh, the Man United game was against uh, the other day. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully, I, I I was not around for that match. I'm very glad. I did see the result and I did see Solskjaer moaning about referees because they're no longer giving them uh, any kind of penalty. I think it was a penalty. I saw the photos. I saw the video uh, against Chelsea. It should have been a penalty. But at the same time, if you have one decision go against you and about 25 going for you, 25 soft penalties, you can't really complain. Um, what do you make of Chelsea, Liam? Uh, you know, in general, as an overview of that club. I mean, it's interesting you say that. My uh, my brother's a Chelsea fan, so I actually watch a fair bit, probably more than most Liverpool fans do. And I think under Lampard, things started to get a bit. Maybe the pressure got too much with all the players that came through the door. It, it kind of reminded me one of my football manager saves where you've got in copious amounts of money to spend and then you've got to fit them all into one team. And I think Tuchel's maybe struggling with that now. I mean, since he's come in, they haven't been beaten, so you can't really complain. There's maybe a couple of results like the Southampton game and maybe his first game against Wolves where they've not been too happy with it. Man United was a poor game as well, but... All 
all things so far so good for them. Um, I think Mount is one player that I'm worried about on. It's Thursday night, isn't it? I'm I'm worried about Mount. The way he's been performing under Tuchel and maybe even under Lampard, I think he's been one of Chelsea's best players this season. So he's a player I'm worried about. And as a lover of French football, Olivier Giroud can just come up with something special in any moment like he did when we lost 1-0 to them a few seasons. One of the last games of the season, the season when we got to Kiev, I think, so yeah, it's it's one of those really with Chelsea. You're not you're not a hundred percent sure in what sort of game you're gonna see, whether it's Manchester United, nil nil or it could be one of those games where everyone's flying into tackles. We see something brilliant from Olivier Giroud, like that bicycle kick against Atletico Madrid or Salah comes up with something special again like he did, so yeah, I'm I'm quite looking forward to it, but I, I don't think we can underestimate Chelsea. They seem to be the side will be up there at the end of the season. Yeah, another great assessment. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, um, uh, Josh, Tommy Tuchel, I'm interested in your thoughts because, you know, I followed him quite closely being uh, living uh, in Paris, as I do. Um, and for me, he underachieved in Paris. He was there for two seasons. He won the league both years, which is not very hard in France when you've got Paris Saint-Germain's resources. Uh, unfortunately for the French League, it's not very hard to win it if you're Paris. He failed to win uh, two doubles, so with the French Cup or trebles. He only won the French Cup once and the French League Cup once um, in 1920, so last season. He did actually win the domestic treble. But there's something about Paris and the way that they played that is sort of beyond what the manager wants or whatever. Like, the manager is almost a peripheral figure at Paris Saint-Germain, I find. It's like if the players decide to win, they'll win. The manager doesn't have much to do with it. And I just wonder what your thoughts are uh, of Tommy Tuchel and, and how high your hopes are. I'm, I'm very happy you said that, um, Ben Derger, that is literally how you sum up uh, PSG in a nutshell. You know, a PSG, you're fighting more than the tactics. You're There's so, so many things. And um, Pochettino is, is experiencing exactly the same things that uh, Thomas Tuchel did. That, um, you know, when you've got the egos within the dressing room, you've got, you've got you know, a Cardi, a Bappe, Neymar, Di Maria, uh, even Navas, who's a three-times champion. You've got all of these egos, all, all of these... You know, that's hard to handle in a dressing room when you're walking in. You've got all these big personalities. Um, and you know, if you, as it took all the kind of experience of a map, if you do one slight wrong thing, there's a whole public scene, like an argument on the sidelines. It's like a bappy how it took a couple of times. So I think there was there, I think that the fact he got them to a Champions League final given new circumstances. And also he got the mentality, you see, because again, as you said, the French thing is it's it's easy, you know, it's not hard to win. It's not hard to win if you're PSG. Uh, ask, you know, I think of what New Time of Lost recently was when Emery was manager Monaco won him. So um so when you know when you go from playing games that are really, really easy to then having to switch your mentality straight away to a big Champions League game to you know, really up your, your up your mentality, up the intensity, up the up your style. It's not easy to do. So there's so many reasons why going to PSG is is extremely difficult. So far, what I've seen with Chelsea is he's experiencing the same issues that Frank Lampard suffered, and that is the lack of goals, the lack of goal threat, the lack of cutting edge up front. 
And that comes down to an experience of Timo Werner and Havertz in the league. It comes down to players not having enough confidence to try and be a bit more uh, on the front foot. But defensively, we have been extremely good. I think we've only conceded two goals under Tuchel, which one of them was an own goal at, in, uh, at Sheffield United. Um, uh, I think there is a style of play. You know, There's a formation, there's a structure, there is a style of play. It's slow at the moment, but I guess it's time when your when your manager coming in uh, mid season having to pick up a team that are kind of rock bottom in confidence, uh, you haven't had much of a, I haven't had much of a game plan or philosophy to go with because Lampard didn't really have one, um, didn't really have one towards the end of his tenure. So I think what he, I think that for for us to be in the top four fight to have bet Atletico Madrid in the away leg, uh, so to speak, and to be in the F, uh, the FA Cup semi final, I think that is probably as good as he's, he can get. I think I'm massively disappointed with this season in general because like, we're literally talking about the same objectives we did last year with a transfer ban. You know, we haven't took a step forward. I think we've took uh, three steps back because our squad's 10 times better, yet we're in the same position we are last year and we may not even get top four this year. So uh, it's, it's hard to say. He's done the right things. Defensively, we're better, which you need. Um, I'm sure the attack will figure itself out. I'm sure he'll figure it out, but I have I have high hopes. But you know, the, the, as as I was very approved by Frank Lampard, you know, I've learned not to get excited about managers because they could have one really bad run and they're out the door. We don't have there's no such thing as having time to change things around. It's a matter of if you lose, figure it out and sort it out, or you're gone. So I think as a Chelsea fan, I'm sure you're, all of you guys, the Liverpool fans, would understand this. It's hard to get close and warm to a manager because you really don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, especially with Roman, trigger-happy Roman uh, on the gun. But, well, that's great. Um, thank you so much, uh, Josh. We're going to uh, just wrap it up, I guess, right here. But uh, just one final question uh, for everybody, the same question. Um, uh, the table as it stands, after 26 matches, Man United of 50 points, Leicester 49, West Ham 45 Chelsea 44 and Liverpool 43. If Everton and Tottenham win their games in hand, they are there is basically three points between West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton and Tottenham. Those five clubs who are all fighting it out for fourth. Can Leicester and Man United be dragged down into this fight for the top four? Um, basically... If you had to pick, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say we're ruling, we're going to say Man City, Man United, Leicester will be the top three. Well, if that's true, I don't really know. But let's just say for this question's sake, very simply, who out of West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton, and Tottenham is going to get that fourth place, Mick? Uh, I think we've got to go Liverpool, haven't we? Surely. <laughs> um, I'm not, to kind of. Go against your question. I, I do think Man United will stay in there. I don't think Leicester will. I think it will. I think it will be Liverpool and Chelsea who get third and fourth. Or well, I'm hoping if Man United have a complete capitulation, one of Liverpool and Chelsea can get second. That'll be um, that'll be great. But um, I don't see Leicester sustaining. Obviously, Harvey Barnes is now out for six weeks, and he's been the forefront of everything. They've, good they've been doing recently scoring a half full of goals West Ham I don't think it's sustainable for a, another what 12 games if we got left uh, I think they'll drop off a little bit Spurs have come into a bit of form so yeah they might be an outside shout but 
and same for Everton. I just I just don't see them having the um the, the quality over the next they've got well they've got fourteen games, haven't they? But yeah, it just depends if what, what that result against Southampton tonight goes uh like. But yeah, I think even if we get third this season, obviously it would be a huge drop off going from first to third, but considering the the injuries we've had, um getting top four again and having a good run in the Champions League, um I think that'll suit me. But um yeah, if Man United can drop out of the uh, top four, that would be great as well. Yeah, that's the ideal scenario. Uh, what about you, Liam? If uh, I mean, you can uh, go wherever you like with it, but uh, do you think uh, Liverpool and Chelsea will will get into the top four? Yeah, I agree with uh, I agree with Nick on that one. I think Liverpool and Chelsea will occupy third and fourth. Maybe Man United will drop down a couple of places, but I still fancy them to get top four. I think with Leicester, it's we saw the same thing last season. They looked. I mean. When we played them on Boxing Day, they were our closest title rivals last year, and everyone was saying, if Leicester beat Liverpool, it could be, we could have a title race on his hands, and then obviously we we beat them 4-0, and then they looked like they were going to get top four, and then as the season just winded on and winded on, they just capitulated towards the back end of the season, and I think at times it looked like relegation form with the way they were playing, and they missed out in the end, so... I can maybe see that happening again. And they were very poor in the Europa League against Slavia Prague over two legs. They got beat comfortably by Arsenal at the weekend. So maybe this is the start of that. But yeah, I don't, I don't fancy Leicester to get in the top four. I think Liverpool and Chelsea will both have enough to get in there with the quality and the managers that we've got. Oh, that would be lovely. That would be lovely. The final word is with with you, Josh. Uh, how confident are you on Chelsea and Liverpool getting into the top four? I think if Chelsea lose here, don't we again? We're not going to get top four because um, for for me for me personally, I, I see too much of a lack of a goal for it within the, within the squad to to be confident because you know. If we come up, you know, game we have games like West Brom, Crystal Palace will come up. And I find it hard to see how we will break them down. You know, when you're relying on a 34 year old Olivier Giroud to do overhead kicks to win your games, that 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 worries me. It really, really does worry me. Um, against United, we were just, you know, it was just no real. I just didn't see anything. I just didn't see anything against United that, for me personally, that made me go like. You know, we're going to do this. You know, see, it doesn't look like he's suited to the system to the Premier League at all. Jury, we can't rely on Jury to play three games in seven days. We can't. Mason Mount is trying, but he lacks to find a ball, and he still hasn't got that goal-scoring threat. So for me, there's still a lot of there's a lot of issues, and I I think if we lose this game here at Anfield, that's it. I think the top four is over for us because for 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 anyone who is not aware of what Chelsea's schedule is, after Liverpool we have Everton and Leeds and then Atletico Madrid, and then we play Crystal Palace, West Brom. At Sheffield United in the cup, and then this is where it gets really bad. We have Arsenal, Leicester, City, and Fulham for back to back to back to back. So for me personally, it is as simple as this for Chelsea. If Chelsea lose this game, top four is over. That's really interesting. Thank you very much, Josh. I know you've got to rush off now to do the World of Football podcast. Everyone should listen to that on the Dugout Football channel. Thank you so much for joining us, Josh. And thank you very, very much to Mick as well for also the Copite podcast. Do check that out. And Liam, thank you so much for being on Cop On again. It's been a real pleasure talking to you all. And, uh, you know, may the best team win. <laughs>